Getting adequate food is a problem for college students. Student Affairs Research and Assessment Team, they did a needs assessment based off of food insecurity and they found that about 4,000 students are food insecure. Sometimes even hard work can't overcome the challenge. Not only are we having to digest tons of information weekly and we're trying to work to make sure we have rent paid for. Books are almost $400 sometimes a semester, so it's easy to get to payday and your check is already gone and you haven't thought about groceries. That's why ECU's Purple Pantry was created and is expanding. Some people may not want to ask for help in that way to go and get food because it's just like, well, I may not really need it. Maybe someone needs it more than me, but if it's there for you to help in any way you can, you should go and get it. I'm Rich Clindworth, and we're talking about college student food insecurity in season two, episode 18 of Talk Like a Pirate. I'm joined now with Lauren Howard, who is the assistant director of ECU's Center for Leadership and Civic Engagement. Among her priorities are hunger initiatives and ECU's Purple Pantry. Also joining us is Kayla. She is a member of ECU's class of 2021 and recently graduated as a double major in African and African-American studies and English literature. Kayla is in the process of applying to law school. Kayla will talk about her personal experience with food insecurities. Lauren, Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks. A quick disclaimer, we might sound a tad muffled during this episode of Talk Like a Pirate. Due to the continued threat of COVID-19 at the time of this recording, we are all three wearing masks and are socially distant as we record this inside of the Center for Leadership and Civic Engagement, which is inside of ECU's main campus student center. Now that that is out of the way, Lauren, what is food insecurity? Yeah, so food insecurity, especially in Greenville and here at ECU, um, <clears throat> is the ability to access quality fresh food and food at all. Um, so when you're thinking about food insecurity, especially in Greenville, there are parts um, of Greenville that are considered a food desert. So that goes to, again, that access to quality um, fresh food for sure. Um, but food insecurity sometimes also means not knowing where your next meal is coming from as well. That's another term that I have not, have only recently heard was food desert. Can you define that as well? Yeah, so a food desert, uh, so thinking about especially West Greenville, right? West Greenville definitely is concentrated, but not so much concentrated with a grocery store that has access to fresh food. Uh, they only have actually one grocery store and asking folks that live in West Greenville if they even go to it, they don't. <laughs> um, so thinking about a food desert, it's definitely an area that doesn't have a local grocery store that they can get to that has the fresh veggies and fresh vegetables, strictly only has kind of the canned or high stuff in sugar and stuff like that. A first reaction might be, well, we have all sorts of grocery stores in Greenville can't someone hop across town? A huge barrier to that is transportation. And if they have transportation, if folks have transportation, is it reliable, right? Or if they even have money to catch the bus system. So thinking about barriers, that's one, but also thinking about barriers in regards to community needs-based assistance, such as WIC or SNAP. 
sometimes those thresholds, and especially for our students, they don't meet it, <laughs> right? They don't meet the certain guidelines for SNAP or WIC. So thinking about food desert specifically, yeah, some of that is of course a barrier, but I would say the main one is transportation when thinking about how to get to a local grocery store that offers nutritious stuff. And so for people who are not food insecure that don't live in food deserts, they take, I would imagine, a lot of this for granted. Some of this stuff that, oh, let's just hop in the car and go five minutes down the road. Yeah, and I would say I've been here for about five years now. Me as an individual, I never really thought about that until I started doing this work, right? And started really researching these barriers and started understanding the why on why it is important to have pantries like Purple Pantry on a college campus to access those students that need food. And so I want to get into the Purple Pantry in a few minutes, but I want to talk to Kayla here for a second. So Kayla, you and I have a, a little bit of a background. I was sitting in on one of your classes and the class was talking about food insecurities and it shocked me that you had admitted that you had been food insecure various times of your life. And I did not see you as a person just briefly meeting you, knowing a little bit about your background, your hard work with both school and outside of school. It shocked me. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast today to sort of change the approach to this and the stigma that I don't think too many people realize how many of our neighbors are really food insecure. So what, what can you tell me about your background or what do you feel comfortable talking about with your background with food insecurities? Um, so I can admit like growing up it wasn't always easy to have, like we we're talking about, you know, the fresh food or having access to not even just consistent meals, but like healthy meals. So coming to college and realizing, you know, like eating once a day isn't really going to get um, the job done or eating like, uh, not eating full like meals that will, you know, get you through the day or it can get you, you know, through the class and work and various activities that you're doing, I had to uh, learn how to do that myself, basically. And of course, like I have a uh, family assistance and my brother helps me and things of that nature, but uh, being a college student is not always having the money to go grocery shopping. And like Lauren was talking about, transportation is, I would say, some people don't realize how uh, important that is because if I'm walking to school or walking back home, then I have to think about how I'm going to carry my groceries home. If it's raining, I have to think about how I'm going to carry everything I carry to work, including my groceries or including the umbrella or whatever, you know, is going to keep you from the rain. And transportation is not always reliable. That's having to ask someone, hey, can you take me to the store? Uh, or I know that now you can get groceries delivered, but that's still only within a certain time frame. So it's, do I get off work in time for somebody to be able to deliver those groceries um, to me. So it's a lot that goes into it that I don't, I think people take for granted, like you said, that I can't just get up and go to the grocery store or go and run to, um, or eat like a restaurant to get food. I have to kind of plan my meals out in advance. So you, this is something that not only before you came to college, but while you're in college, that the food insecurity has been an issue for you? 
Yes, um, and I definitely utilize the Purple Pantry myself. Um, even if that's just getting a couple of items so that I can save money when I do go to the grocery store. So it's not just going like fully grocery shopping, but maybe I can stock up on some things that would cost a little bit more money at the actual grocery store and I can save that money for when I do actually can get there. And so you made a comment about work, getting off of work and having time. So just to let our audience know, you're a double major. And how many jobs were you working? So I have one right now, but before I did have like another job. So that's just taking the extra time out of the day to maybe work like an extra five hours up on top of all the schoolwork and on top of the job I'm already working. What's that like for you? Um, it can be draining. And of course, like I can always like ask family for additional help, but sometimes when you kind of want to do it on your own or you want to just be independent and alleviate them of the stress that they have to deal with on a daily basis, you do kind of push yourself a little farther to be independent. So there are some times I could have reached out and of course got some assistance, but as an adult or even just like learning and growing up, you sometimes you don't want to ask for help. <laughs> and that goes back into like even going to the Purple Pantry. Some people may not want to ask for help in that way to go and get food. So that again may um, prohibit students from going, you know, because it's just like, well, I may not really need it. Maybe someone needs it more than me, but if it's there for you to help in any way you can, you should go and get it. Was that tough for you the first time heading over to the Purple Pantry? Yes, because like I said, I don't have uh, transportation at this time. So walking home with a bag full of food isn't really like the best confidence booster. But at the same time, I realized like I'm, I need it at the end of the day. So I would rather have something than go without it because I'm scared of what someone else is going to think. Do you face that a lot, Lauren, with that stigma, people being afraid of what people are going to think of them? Yeah, well, on my side, as far as dealing with the operations and logistics, I don't necessarily see it. But I will say that sometimes our volunteers definitely see it from the folks that visit. And then I hear from colleagues in the Dean of Students office and in the counseling office that they still have students that recognize that Purple Pantry is a resource for them but still don't wanna come into the main campus student center. And I understand that and I feel for that. And then from there, what we do is we think about ways that students can just approach a mini pantry, like the one we have currently on campus, or during the summer, we have a delivery system where we can drop off a pirate pack. Um, they have to, of course, request it. And then no questions asked from there. So we have developed I would say ways that we work around those students that don't want to come into the main campus student center uh, to kind of say, hey, this extends our services um, and respects their privacy <clears throat> almost as well. So we've, we've already been talking about the Purple Pantry. I think most of our viewers or our listeners would understand what it is, but can you tell us what the Purple Pantry is here at ECU? Yeah, so Purple Pantry is an on-campus food pantry for all enrolled ECU students. And the purpose of Purple Pantry is to fight food insecurity on a college campus. I would say in general, outside of ECU, college food insecurity is on a rise and it has been on a rise I would say in the last decade. So I went to college, I graduated in 2009. 
a food pantry was never a thing. Uh, but working in student affairs at multiple colleges, it has been a thing in the last decade. Uh, so Purple Pantry aims at fighting food insecurity. During the academic year, we're open Monday through Friday, one to five, and then the second Saturday of each month. Uh, this summer, of course, will be varied based off of how many students are on campus. So typically we'll be open every Wednesday, whether that be delivery and or open shopping hours. Uh, so currently, I would say our numbers, we, since we've been open in the spring of 2018, we've probably served over 400 to 500 students. Uh, so that speaks again to the volume of why Purple Pantry is needed. Uh, but I would also be remiss to say Purple Pantry wasn't established by just one person. It was uh, established by the ECU recovery community within the Center for Counseling and Student Development back in the spring of 2018. And just knowing what our counselors go through, they already have a large workload. So they tapped our office and the Center for Leadership and Civic Engagement to take it over uh, in the spring of 2020. And we all know what happened in the spring of 2020, COVID. <laughs> uh, so we gladly took it over, uh, transitioned it over to our office, and that just worked hand in hand because of course we're in the main campus student center. And you say that um, four or 500 students have been helped, but that's only a small portion of the estimated students that need the help? Right. So. Back in spring 2018, again, the Student Affairs Research and Assessment Team, they did a needs assessment uh, based off of food insecurity, and they found that about 4,000 students are food insecure, again, back in the spring of 2018. So that is just a drop in the bucket if you think about the numbers, and we are thinking about, you know, what is our marketing and outreach look like? Of course, COVID definitely altered that with like, being in person, talking about Purple Pantry, talking about our services. So we are still thinking about how can we outreach a little bit better on why we are here and what we have to offer, essentially. We've received over probably 18,000 pounds of donations, and that is shelved by our student volunteers. And we are grateful for those student volunteers because without them, we couldn't, of course, open our hours for ECU students. So I always like to say it's ECU students serving other ECU students. And Kayla, have you volunteered with the Purple Pantry? Yes. Why? So I got started here at ECU in the Jarvis uh, Leadership uh, Living Learning Community. So serving has been since day one. So when I did find out about that we could go back and volunteer, that was no way of giving back to someone or to an organization that has served me as well. It's nice to be able to help other people. And of course, in turn, I can tell other students about it and get the word out. So not only am I serving the hours that I go in there and sit and volunteer, but I'm serving in the community on a daily basis, just interacting with other people and making sure that they know that this resource is available. And I forgot to even uh, mention that, volunteering on top of your jobs and your double major. Yes. You know, some people might say, well, how can they be food insecure with meal plans? How does that work? 
Yeah, so I think sometimes folks can think that, but then the sticker price to the meal plans on campus. I will also add that the Dean of Students Office works with students if they need emergency hot meals through our dining hall. So they have that program too within the Dean of Students Office if a student were to be in need of like a hot immediate meal. So they have that resource, but definitely you know, meal plans cost. Why is this happening in 2021 in the United States that we have so many people right now that can't get quality food? There's a lot of reasons and I can say taking some information from my major and studies and experience, the ability to access some resources has been a problem for years, decades, maybe even centuries. It's something that we're still fighting but when it comes to communities who are impacted are often minority, people of color, those with low income and class. A lot of times these are forgotten communities like college students. Not only are we having to digest tons of information weekly, but we're trying to gain experience for our major and we're trying to work to make sure we have rent paid for. Books are almost $400 sometimes a semester, so it's easy to get to payday and your check is already gone and you haven't thought about groceries or you haven't thought about what you need to do to prepare for the next week because you're just trying to pay bills and go day to day. So I will say the more that we become more conscious of our neighbors and their struggles, then we can consider what they're going through. It's easier to empathize with someone when you have experienced what they're going through, but I feel like that shouldn't always be the case. We should be able to always step out of our shoes and think of one another. So the more that we do donate food that we aren't really using or donate our time, the free time that we have, we're helping someone else um, with a struggle you may not even know about. One of the other things that struck me whenever I first met you, when you were talking about the types of food to donate because people will go through, oh, I'm not going to use this, let's donate that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, it's important to donate some of the things you like <laughs> because uh, we are people that do are, are struggling. We're still people at the end of the day, so we would like something nice or just think about your friends that may be struggling. You would want them to have something nice or a family member. So don't just donate like the old food that's about to go to waste because a lot of times that can't be used and it gets thrown out when it's time to, you know, stock the shelves because it's expired before we can even present it to those who need it. Lauren, can you tell us about the mini pantry on campus? It was installed in January of 2021. We are hopeful that we will be actually placing one on Health Science Campus next because we're also expanding over there to the Student Center on Health Science Campus. So we're trying to explore that 24-7 access to food and we're seeing that we're having to restock it on an every other day basis. So we know it's being utilized um, for we definitely have volunteers or myself check it on an every other day basis to ensure that, you know, quality food is in there and making sure that people grab their vegetables. <laughs> and that's located outside of Mendenhall? Yep, outside of Mendenhall. So it's in between Mammy Jenkins and Mendenhall. So if people want to donate, are you accepting donations for the Purple Pantry? How does that work? Yes, absolutely. So as Kayla said, we appreciate the donations. Um, we accept all donations, but I think highlighting 
maybe what a college student would eat is important. So always going to our website to ensure like what we need in that moment. Because in general, I think food pantries struggle with folks that want to donate, that's great. But maybe contacting them beforehand to see what they actually need. Because I will be honest, we don't need any more ramen noodles because we have plenty. What we need is hygiene products, body wash for students. So that, again, is another item that they don't have to worry to get at the grocery store. And we always make sure that, especially during COVID, we created an Amazon wish list. So therefore, they can go to that wish list, maybe see what we need in that given moment and bring it to the student center or they can purchase it right then and there. We also have a hunger initiatives fund where they can drop monetary donations. So we can always go to the grocery store that way and purchase it that way. Where can people go to help and to get help? Yeah, so always our website is gonna be the key component to how to help or where they can help. Um, and that is www.ecu.edu backslash CLCE. And then there's a purple pantry tab. Uh, they can also follow us on social media. We're more active on Instagram and Facebook than the other ones. Um, so that's a great way to stay up to date. And or, what's, that, what's that handle? Yeah, so it's ECU Pantry on both Facebook and Instagram. So they can follow us there. Uh, or email us at purplepantry at ecu.edu if they have any other questions or ideas to help support Purple Pantry. And then the physical location is here in the main campus student center? Yeah, so we have a couple of locations. We have, of course, here in the main campus student center. I also would be remiss if I didn't talk about our partners over in the College of Engineering. So over in the SciTech building, we actually have our warehouse location. So anything back stock, if we were to have a large donation drive, typically we can't fit it downstairs. So we'll fit it in our SciTech location. And that was due to the work of Dr. Mark Angolia and his crew. So they are great to work with and we've been working with them for the past two years. Um, so I also you know, like to give some love to them because they have supported us through the years as well. And then is there a health science component to it? Yeah, so in the fall of 2021, we will be opening two areas. So up here in the CLCE suite, we'll have what we're gonna call Purple Pantry Express, where students can come if they want, grab what they need and go on their merry way. Uh, so they don't have to go down to the basement or anything like that. And then we also will be expanding the health science campus. So in the health science student center, catering to those students because over the past year, We've gotten requests to pack some pirate packs for dental school students, for Brody School of Medicine students and Allied Health. So we'll, we'll be extending our services over there. So I always say we're expanding by the minute. I didn't realize that. I thought that was the actual Purple Pantry. No, the so yeah, it's okay. downstairs um, in the basement. And I will say that that also is another period of Purple Pantry. Sometimes students don't know how to get down there. But also, I think we have a population that appreciates that privacy component, right? So we are still going to have that storefront down there for just that reason, but also be able to provide in the morning this Purple Pantry Express so they can come grab small items and be on their merry way. And then we also have an industrial refrigerator down there. So that thing is pretty big, so we can't bring it up here. So that's also why we want to keep the storefront open. 
Is there anything else that you all would like to add before we wrap this up? For me, it's just expressing to either the listeners or students, faculty or staff listening that Purple Pantry is here for students. Um, no questions asked, we want students to come. We are witnessing that we are getting so many donations and not enough leaving our door when we know students need us. So we are a resource. We also accept any ideas, any partnerships in order to make Purple Pantry uh, successful in the long run. So I would definitely encourage faculty, staff, students to tell their friends, to tell their partners, to tell whomever that we are here and we are here for students so they don't have to worry about their next meal or the next item they have to get. Kayla? I would just like to emphasize asking for help and whether that's outside of food insecurities and asking um, the people around you, whether it's the professors and your directors and things of that nature, for help because they want to. They just may not know that you need that assistance. Life can be a lot easier when you, someone gives a helping hand, but you have to open your mouth first. And secondly, any time that you could give some assistance to any marginalized communities, uh, please do so because it's greatly appreciated and you never know who you can impact. Lauren Howard, Assistant Director of ECU's Center for Leadership and Civic Engagement, and Kayla, a proud member of ECU's Class of 2021. Thank you two so much for joining us, and most especially Kayla, thank you for sharing your experiences. Thank, thank you. you. Well, that's it for season two, episode 18 of Talk Like a Pirate. And actually, that is the final episode of season two. Season three is coming up soon. We hope you found this episode informational as many people who we probably feel are okay are actually struggling to have adequate food right now. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen to us. We've really enjoyed bringing you various topics over the past two years and are very excited to continue to do so in season three. Until the next time, please stay safe and healthy and don't forget, Always be yourself, unless you can be a pirate. Then always be a pirate.